We are on our second episode in our 10 commandments series, and we're going to be looking at the second commandment. The second commandment says, you shall not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain. What does that mean exactly? Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. Before we get to the Ten Commandments, I want to remind you that Pastor Jeremy Maddock is also covering the Ten Commandments in his podcast, Bible Breath. If you haven't heard Pastor Jeremy teach, you should know that he is incredibly gifted at taking really hard concepts and breaking them down into easy to understand bite-sized pieces. So it'll really add a lot to your study of the Ten Commandments if you listen to him. So just check out the episode notes and we'll put a link there to send you right on over. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does that mean exactly? Well, it means to misuse God's name or to use his name to deceive in any way. So we're going to break this down a little bit. First of all, I wanted to mention that Martin Luther says, the first commandment instructs our heart and the second commandment guides our lips. I thought that was really a neat way to put it. Luther gives the example of lying under oath as a way that we grossly misuse God's name. So when we go to court, um, we swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. You swear. You used to swear on a Bible. I'm not sure that they do that anymore. But um, that is one time when you are using God's name and saying, with God as my witness, what I say here is the truth. And so to lie in that case is a great misuse of God's name. Now we're going to talk about oaths in general. When I taught Bible history and when I teach even different um, accounts in the Bible, uh, I taught John the Baptist not long ago. And uh, I make a pretty big deal about oaths and talking about them because God makes a pretty good a pretty big deal about it. So when I said I taught John the Baptist, you may know that John the Baptist died because of a foolish oath made by King Herod. King Herod had married his brother Philip's wife and um, brought her back to Jerusalem with him. And so John the Baptist spoke out against this. And um, because of that, John was put in, in prison. Now, Herod didn't want to kill John the Baptist. He didn't want to harm him because he had a pretty healthy respect for him. But Herodias, his wife, on the other hand, hated John the Baptist because she spoke. he spoke out against their marriage. So on Herod's birthday, Herodias's daughter danced for King Herod and pleased him very much. And when she did, King Herod said, ask me for anything up to half my kingdom and it will be yours. She asked her mom what she should ask for. And her mom said, the head of John the Baptist right now on a platter. And because of King Herod's guests and because of the oath that he made, John the Baptist was beheaded. The reason I bring that up is because you should never make an oath when you don't know what the outcome could be. 
So if someone says, promise that you'll give me whatever I ask, well, I, I can't do that. I have no idea what you're going to ask for. Or promise that we'll be friends forever. I mean, I don't even know where I'll be a year from now. So to make that sort of promise is just a foolish thing to do. And so I really make a point of teaching the kids that I teach that oaths are super important in God's eyes. Now, I'm, I'm going to show you a couple places in scripture that prove this. One is from the Old Testament. One is from the New Testament. Ecclesiastes 5, 4 to 7 says this, when you make a vow to God, do not de delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hand? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. So Solomon, presumably the writer of Ecclesiastes, said, look, don't flippantly make any vows. Like, oh, if such and such happens, I promise to do this, or I promise to do that, or whatever. And then later go, oh, I mean, I really didn't mean that. No, that's, that's foolish talk. You don't flippantly make an oath. Oaths are to be respected and only taken in certain situations that honor God. So what are those situations? Well, we talked about one already, court. Another one where we make a promise and use God's name is in our wedding vows. We are standing before God and we promise to be with this person in richness, it, you know, for good or bad, whether we're rich or poor, in sickness or in health, and for our life. That's a vow before God. And so you don't make these vows flippantly or foolishly and then later go, well, I mean, I didn't really mean that. No. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, verse 34, and then I'm going to skip down to 37. He said, do not swear an oath at all. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. He's saying, look, if you're throwing away, I promise I'll do this. I'll promise I'll do that. You're just throwing those out there. That's, that's from Satan. That is not from God. Your word should be enough. I will do this. I won't do this. And you follow through. And then if for some reason you forget or something happens and you can't do it, then you say, you know, well, I had planned to do it and this happened. I'm sick now. I can't. I'm sorry. But at least you haven't broken an oath. So we're not to flippantly make oaths, especially oaths that we are calling God's name as a witness. Those are very, very special and should be reserved in only a very few situations. Now, what do you do if you do make an oath, like a, a marriage vow, and then, you know, three, four, five years down the line, you're like, ooh, this isn't what I thought it was. Well, the apostle Peter said, look, if you marry an unbeliever, stay in the relationship. If they leave, that's fine. You stay and do what you can for the marriage and um, honor God. 
So in our society today, marriage is kind of easy come, easy go. And I think that was the way it was in the New Testament society too. It was a lot of, um, you know, divorce and remarriage and that type of thing. But that is not the way it's supposed to be for the people of God. There are a few cases that, you know, of course, if there's abuse, you have to get out of that. Um, If they abandon you, if your husband leaves and uh, you don't know where he is, you haven't heard from him in years. Well, at some point, there's a time to get a divorce. But in kind of extreme circumstances, that's why I tell my children all the time and the kids that I teach, I think probably the most um, impacting decision you'll make in your young adult life is the person that you marry because they will either help you to stay close to God or they will lead you away from God. They will either help you and be a huge blessing in hard times or they will be a curse in hard times. So it's not something to be taken lightly and it's not something to just quickly get into like, oh, I like this person. Let's just get married. You need to take that seriously. That's a that's a big deal to God. All right. How else can we misuse God's name? We do it when we use his name to curse. That is a super common thing in Hollywood, in our culture, even in my work environment. I tell people all the time. Jesus is not a curse word. I've asked people to use the word Satan. Nobody has really done it. But the fact that people use Jesus name as a curse word when things go wrong is completely from the devil. Jesus is our savior. He is God. That is not a means of cursing. How else do we misuse it? We should not be throwing around, oh my, God's name is to be respected and revered and reserved for certain things, which we're going to talk about in just a second. It's not to be thrown out there like an expression. And this needs to be taught because this is so counter culture. So again, just to cover this, we misuse God's name when we lie under oath, when we take an oath flippantly, when we curse using God's name or use it in a, you know, crazy, just mindless expression instead of using it to revere his name. We also misuse God's name when we say things like, I swear to God. Look, that too is a flippant expression. Like, I swear to God, if this happens, I'm going to. And nine times out of 10, it is, it's not something that you plan to do. You should not say the words, I swear to God. Jesus said, simply say what you want to say. Say this or say this. Don't add the swear to God. That expression, I swear to God, is from Satan. That's just using God's name flippantly again. Like, I swear to God, if this happens, I'm going to do this. Nope. No, don't do that. Don't swear to God. So if that's misusing God's name, how should we use God's name? Well, first of all, 
to take an oath truthfully. So when we do take our marriage vows, that is a wonderful thing to do when we're taking our marriage vows seriously and we're promising God and our spouse that we will be faithful to them and that it will be lifelong and that circumstances will not dictate if we keep our vow or not. That is a very God-honoring thing. It's a God-honoring thing when we are called upon in, in court to be a witness and we call God as our witness and tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. When we truthfully say, here in this courtroom with God as my witness, this is what I know, this is what I've seen, this is what happened, and you say exactly everything without hiding or keeping some things back, that honors God to use his name in that way. Praising God. Oh, it is a wonderful thing. I love praise music, worship music, hymns. To praise God and to use his name in such a way that glorifies him, glorifies him and lifts him up and um, thanks him for all that he has done. That is a wonderful way to use the name of God, and that's how it should be used. And again, in addition to the praise and the worship, um, that thankfulness, you know, thank you, God, to, to be attributing success or anything that happens of good, that's good, any blessing, to say, thank you, God, thank you, Jesus. Those words should be quick on our lips. When things work out as we hoped, thank you, God. When he helps us out of a struggle, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for giving me the words. Thank you, God, for being in this situation with you. Thank you, God, for this blessing. That is a very God-honoring way to use his name. Um, And then also two other ways that we can really use God's way God's name in a wonderful way, first of all, is to call upon him when we need help. God, help me. God, please come to my rescue. God, give me the strength I need. God, be in this situation. That is God honoring. It's also God honoring, Martin Luther showed, um, to call upon God's name when we are being tempted. When we feel that we are being drugged into dragged into a situation and we are feeling weak so when you think that you can withstand a temptation but you know that it's getting hard and you're not sure you can to call upon god's name god help me i am going to screw this up god help me to not spend money today god help me to not look at the ads or the sales today God, help me to not gossip. When you are in the middle of a conversation and there are people and it's headed down a path that could very quickly turn to gossip, you can say in your mind or out loud, God, help me. God, help me. Put a guard over my lips. God, help me to not wander down this path. I see where I'm headed or I see where this could go. Maybe it's not. Maybe someone's just bringing up a situation and that's that's all that's going to be said. But it's a, a very God-honoring thing and God wants us to do so. In fact, we're told in Psalm 50 verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you. 
and you shall glorify me. God glories in us turning to him when we're being tempted, when we're in a situation, when we're in over our head, when things look out of control and saying, God, help, please be near me. God, I need you. Um, Even I think of David and Goliath. When David was heading out into battle, he said, the God of angel armies, I come on behalf of the God of angel armies. David was saying to Goliath and everybody who was witnessing this, look, I'm not coming out here as this little shepherd boy on my own. I come representing the God who you have been defying, Goliath. Goliath, you have been saying that this God is nothing. And here I am saying, I come defending God's name and on his behalf. And you will see that there's power in that name. That's a beautiful thing. To give God the glory, to give God the honor, to use God's name in such a way to say, you will not use it badly. That's my God. That's my Savior. It's not a flippant expression. It's not something we just throw out. We have to be super cognizant of our language because like I said, it is so commonplace in society today. And Martin Luther said, as I was reading through the large catechism, he was saying, this is so common in our era today. This is something that Satan loves to do. He loves to take the holy name of God, the God of all the universe, and muddy it and try to make it meaningless and to have people use it as a curse word and not revere it because he knows that there's power in the name of Jesus. When we call upon God in our temptation, we will be calling on all the power of heaven to come to our rescue. And Satan will flee. He knows. You read the New Testament and you see when Jesus came upon people who were demon-possessed. Over and over and over, the same thing happens. What do you want with me, Son of God? You are the Son of the Most High. What do you want with me? He would command them not to say who he was, not to speak, because they would fall before him. Not because they were worshiping, but because they knew who he was. So those demons, those devils, they knew who Jesus was. And they, they couldn't, they had no power over him. When he commanded, they had to go out. Luther says we should be quick to use God's name in the right way, but that we should make very, very sure that we teach this commandment to our children and to those who love the Lord. His name is not to be misused, and it's not to be used flippantly. What do we do if we become um, used to using God's name in a bad way? Maybe Jesus has been something you've been saying as a curse word. Maybe OMG is something, an expression that you use all the time. Maybe I swear to God is an expression you use all the time. What should we do? First of all, we should repent. We should turn. We should confess, God, I'm sorry. 
help me to do better. Teach your children, teach your grandchildren, teach them the importance of this lesson because God's name is revered in heaven and it should be revered on earth. This has been Little Things because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things. Hey guys, next week we're covering the third commandment, which is not just about going to church. It's also about our attitude concerning God's word. Super important commandment. Hope you can join me next week. See you then. Thanks for listening.